somewhere between New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Canada, there is a bronze box that is about 10 inches by 10 inches, and it has over a million dollars worth of gold and uh, gems inside that box. Now, again, (laughs) New Mexico to Canada and the Rocky Mountains is a large area to cover. The guy who hit it is a guy named Forrest Finn. He's an 85-year-old, former Vietnam vet, uh, self-trained archaeologist, and an art dealer. And so he is, is wealthy, and so some of the things that he's collected over the years through archaeology and through art and just being, becoming a millionaire, he's placed inside this box and hidden it. And what he said is, I, he said, I'll tell you this, it's at about 5,000 feet elevation, and he said, I'm 85 years old, so if you're climbing to the top of one of the mountains in the Rocky Mountains, you're in the wrong spot because I'm 85 years old not, and I'm not climbing mountains to hide this treasure. So what he did is he wrote his biography, he wrote a story, and inside his story, he put a poem that holds all of the clues to where this treasure is. So this is what it looks like, and you can't read it from there, but, but here's like what one of the, one of the clues says. Uh, I'm going to have to step up because I'm going blind. Uh, he says, here's one refrain. So bear, so hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you're brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. He says up here, begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down, not far but too far to walk, put in below the home of brown. So the, kind of the, the, the takeaway, the lesson, if you will, is application is to stop complaining about the great pumpkin hunt clues because they're not that hard, Okay. This is way harder. People are out looking for this. For some people, it's become a hobby. There's one lady that lives in Albuquerque, about an hour from Santa Fe. She spent over 60 trips into the mountains trying to solve these clues, thinking she's figured out to go and look for it. For some people, it's become an obsession. There's been people that have quit their jobs to go live in the mountains, to go look, to go try to find this million-dollar-plus treasure. It's actually even become fatal for one guy. One guy went out January 5th of this year, disappeared, never came back. Search parties went out. They found his dog. They found a raft. They found the site where he'd been camping. He's still missing. People, people are, are obsessed with finding this treasure. And then some people go, I don't even know if it really exists, right? I mean, like, want some proof? The, the people that hang around uh, Forrest Finn, th- this gentleman, they said, hey, we don't know for sure. One guy said, I can tell you this. I saw the box full in his vault. And I can tell you this, I don't know if it's out there or not, but it is not in his vault or his house any longer. He said, and then other people said, just knowing the way Forrest works and the things Forrest does, his closest friends say they 100% believe that he's literally hid it somewhere for someone to find later. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we started this series, uh, The Game of Life, and we were talking about these eight different characteristics that, that research has found in spiritually mature people. And that's reason why we're doing the series, we want you to be able to identify what spiritually mature people look like and go, hey, this is an area where I need to grow. One of the things that we learned was that spiritually mature people prioritize the will of God over their own will. If you were here two or three weeks ago, we talked about that. Well, tonight's characteristic, tonight's marker in the person's life is is similar to that, uh, but it's not the same. Tonight we're talking about, and this week we'll do it in our small groups, is that spiritually mature people seek God. Spiritually mature people, 
go after God. Now, it sounds similar because you might go, well, yeah, isn't that about the will of God? I didn't know what the will of God is. They do. They hold hands, but they're different. One of them is rooted in action and obedience, doing the will of God, prioritizing what God wants over what you want. That, that's rooted in obedience. Seeking God, what we're talking about this week, is, is rooted in knowledge. It's rooted in knowing who God is. And I think, I think we as believers, if, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, I'm talking to you. If you, if you came with a friend and you go, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm just kind of checking things out. I'm not, not really talking to you, except, you know, you, you're here tonight probably seeking God, so high five to you. But for those of us who have a relationship with the Lord, for some reason, this, this seeking God, it may not come up high on your scorecard. You know, we put some scorecards out there where you can go through and kind of think through how, how am I doing these areas to identify where you're weak and then in the back to write some things that are some action steps. And we'll talk about some of those tonight. For a lot of us, we don't, we don't do real well with that. I think one of the reasons why, and I, I don't know all the reasons, I think one of the reasons why we don't do very good at seeking God is because we become desensitized to him. I mean, there's a church on every corner. I mean, literally, if tonight you went, I don't like this guy, and I didn't like coming in here, you could walk to the Church of Christ. I mean, it's across the street. You wouldn't have to get in your car. I mean, there's, there's churches everywhere. And, and, and we're surrounded by things uh, uh, that are Christian and, and things that represent Jesus. We have, we have multiple Christian radio stations. There's Christian bookstores. Right now, you could go to City Lights and watch a Christian movie called The Case for Christ. I mean, so it's not like it's not like we have to go looking for Jesus if we need him. I mean, yeah, he is all around us. I mean, God is, is omnipresent. He's here with us. But, I mean, we don't have, if we had questions, we can Google and find some answers. I've probably told you the story of how Febreze started. You know what Febreze is? Spray bottle. It's got some smells in it. You're about to smell it because the ministry team is about to walk through and spray around you, so don't panic. You're going to have an eclectic group of smells. Some of you are going to smell tropical. Some of you are going to smell like uh, washing machine fresh. I don't know. Strawberry. I don't know what they have. Febreze. Bre oh, come on. Oh, Eli, that's pretty good. We don't, need to, we don't need to treat the Febreze like you do your axe. Listen. Listen, I know Eli did his axe body spray just then like he does, but... Okay, so here's the deal. When Febreze was created, there were no smells. I don't know if I shared this with you. I don't even know if I told you all this story. When, when the company that created Febreze, they, they, they stumbled upon a, a chemical that actually would trap odor in the air, not mask it, not cover it like cologne might. It actually gets rid of odor, traps it so that you can't smell it. And they thought, man, this is revolutionary because it's not like we walk into the, the guy's locker room that smells like sweat and, and nastiness and spray pina colada spray, and now the room smells like pina colada mixed with sweat and nastiness. Like it actually, Febreze actually trapped the odor and got rid of it. And they thought, man, we're going to make millions. And they started marketing, and nobody bought it. The, the, the division that ran with it was losing money, and so they, they said, we got to figure out why, what is going on. So they started doing some market research, and one of the things that they learned, they went to a lady's house who had all kinds of cats, like 20, 25 cats. And they said when they walked into her house, the researchers started like gagging. 
because they were like, oh my goodness, this, this house, uh, it's got cat litter all over. It smells like cat food, cats. This is nasty. And the lady who lived there was just like normal, like no big deal. And they've got people that are like, we, we can't, we, I got to walk out of here. I can't stand here. And what they discovered was she had no interest in killing the, the, the smell of cats because she couldn't smell them. She become desensitized to it. If you walked in for the first time, you could smell the cats. Some of you guys have experienced this before. Your mom walks into your room and she's like, goodness, why does it stink so bad in here? And you go, what? It's because your nose has become desensitized to it. You're used to it. And so what Febreze did is they said, people whose houses stink don't know their houses stink. So we're going to start scenting our, our, our spray so that they can actually smell something different. It's the only reason why it smells, so that you buy it. So that when you'd spray it, you'd go, okay, now I know it's worked. Same thing, though. For some of us, I think we're not seeking God because we've just become used to it. We got small groups on Sunday, youth group on Wednesday, church on Sunday. We got 4.5 Bibles per home in America. We've got Bible apps. I, I got it. So why seek after God? I, I think we're desensitized. I think another problem we have I think is, is that for most of us in this room, people in our community, we don't have a whole lot of need. We don't have a lot of physical need. We've got, our, our families have money. We've got clothes. We've got food. We've got shelter. We don't have a whole lot of emotional needs. If we do, we go to counseling. Our parents shell out some money for us to go. And so because we don't have physical need, we don't have emotional need, we don't sense our need, we don't, we don't even realize that we have spiritual need. We just assume that the problems that we might have in life that, that should point us towards the Lord, we just go slide a credit card and pay for it to solve it. Go buy something to fix it. We'll, we'll switch schools because we're having relationship issues that could be solved through Jesus, but instead we'll just switch a school over here because we've got multiple schools to choose from. That's why when you go into a place of poverty, you, you tend to find people responding to Jesus at a higher rate than you do if you take a mission trip into a place that has no need. Because people who have physical need and emotional need, they recognize need. And so when you start talking about spiritual need, they go, yeah, I get it. But a lot of us, I mean, Jesus is on every corner. We don't have a whole lot of need. And here's the other reason why I, don't, I think we don't seek him. We're busy seeking a lot of other stuff. Right? I mean, we're busy. I, I had a conversation with some, some students who are on a ministry team. Now, let me tell you this. If you're on a ministry team, you're probably growing spiritually. That would be my guess. If you're going, hey, on a Saturday or a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, I'm going to come to the church. I'm going to come someplace, give up my time to help plan a worship service or plan an event. Or tomorrow night, I'm going to help plan a dodgeball tournament because I want to see people reached for Christ. If you're kind of in that, you're, you're probably, you know, growing spiritually. We're sitting in a group and talking with just some students who, again, are, are sharp students, ones that I look up to is from, when I look at students, I mean, those, those are kids I want my kids to be like. And we're having a conversation about our series Purple that's coming up. And we started talking about uh, doing a devotional. Do we want to do a devotional or something like that? And, and like one, one of our students said, I, I, don't, I, don't think we sh I don't think we should because when we do that, you hand out like a quiet time guide. Um, I do it for a couple days and then I tend to forget. And, and most of the room was like, yeah, I agree. And somebody said, and, and so well, I said, you know, just, just because we're not doing the spiritual discipline of reading the Bible doesn't mean that we should be like, okay. I'm not going to do it. I mean, that, that ought to be a sign to us, hey, I need to kick it up a notch. And so we, we, we continue the conversation. Some students started saying, maybe we should just do it in the summer when we have more time. 
And so the problem is you get in the summer and you don't have a routine. You're, you're vacationing here, camp there, this, that. You don't ever get into a routine. And so at the end of the day, if it comes to reading the Word of God, we, we just have to make a decision to say, I'm going to do it. We have to say, you know what, seeking God, knowing God, getting into his word is important enough to me that I'm just going to make it happen, whether it's school year, whether it's summer, whether it's Christmas, whenever. And then I said this, and the room kind of got like silent. So there isn't anybody in here, there isn't anybody in here that isn't trying to actively finish the series on Netflix they started. Right? You got a show that you're watching? You, 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 don't, you, you never had this conversation this week, I'm just going to wait till the summer to finish it. No. You, you're, you're finishing it. You're seeking after it because you enjoy it. It's a great show. It's a priority. At some point, we just have to say, you know what, even if I've been desensitized and I feel like Jesus is all around me, and even if I don't recognize spiritual need, I'm just going to have to man up and seek after God because that's what is a characteristic of spiritually mature people, and I want to be spiritually mature. You got your Bible, go over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at one verse tonight. We're going to look at this one verse on Sunday morning in small groups. Matthew 6, I don't want to rip the verse out of context, so let me tell you what's happening. Jesus is having a discussion with people who have some needs. And they are concerned about food, and they're concerned about water. They're concerned about clothing in Matthew chapter 6. And so they have real needs. Like when they're talking about food, they don't have the needs that you and I have. Like, like my needs, when we start talking about food in my house, my need, when I ask my kids, hey, what do you want for dinner? My prayer isn't, can we eat dinner? My prayer is like, oh God, please don't make them say Chick-fil-A or Cane's because if we do that one more time, you know, 700 times this year, there's only two places my kids want to go. That, that's, the, that's the need I have is not to go to a place we go all the time. That's, that's not the need here. These people have real need and they're concerned about these needs being met. And so in that context, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first, there's that word seek that we're looking at, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, your needs, is what he's telling the people, all these needs to be added to you. What he's saying is, hey, you're worried about food and you're worried about drink and, and you're worried about clothing. If you will just make seeking the kingdom of God and seeking his righteousness, the priority in your life, God is going to take care of you. Now, you he may not give you all your wants. God, God's not like a magic genie that, God, if I do this, you're going to give me everything I want, but you'll be taken care of. God, God, God is going to provide for you. It might be through a local church that, that you become a part of. That's what the church is supposed to do. We see that in Acts 2. The church sold their stuff to take care of each other. That's what God's people do, and God uses people to, to, to meet needs. But whatever the, whatever the case is, we see that there's a priority that Jesus didn't say. Here, here's what would make sense to us. If people came to Jesus and they went, Jesus, I don't know if we're going to have food for, for the dinner table tonight. We don't, we don't have clean water. God, I, I, our clothes are falling apart. What, what we say is this, in, in our mindset, this is how we act. Go get food, go get water, go get a job, get some new clothes, get all this taken care of. And then after you do that, if you have some time left over, then put some spiritual things in part. But you got to take care of the busy stuff. You got to take care of the important stuff. And Jesus says, hey, it's just the exact opposite. The first thing, your priority in life is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Now, in, in Matthew 6, if you go back and read this passage, it might be a great chapter to read over the course of this week. One of the things that we find right before Jesus has this conversation is he teaches his disciples how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Or, or, uh, and in that, one of the lines he says is, is to pray this way, your kingdom come, the kingdom of God, come here, God, your will be done. He's taught them to pray this. He's taught them to pray the kingdom needs to come here. The heavenly kingdom, the way God has the world supposed to be set up, God, we want to bring that here. And then right after that, Jesus says, hey, you need to, as a priority, first, seek first that kingdom. Like, that would be a priority for us. It is for the spiritually mature. So if you go, man, I want to be spiritually mature, you need to grade yourself on that scorecard and go, hey, how often and how much time and how much energy are you putting into seeking God, knowing him, so you know what his kingdom looks like, what the economy of God looks like, what God expects, so that we can live it out here? That, that's God, if you want to be spiritually mature, that has to be a priority over Netflix. That doesn't mean you have to turn off Netflix, but it's what comes first. It's not I'm going to finish my show, and then if I have some time before I go to bed, I'm going to seek God. It's I'm going to seek the Lord, and when I've heard from the Lord today, then I'll finish my show. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make God the priority. And then he says this in Matthew 6, He says, not just his kingdom, but his righteousness. Not just bringing heaven to earth, but us living righteously, living the life that God has called us to live. We have to seek after that. I'm going to tell you this, guys, so you know. I mean, this might be insulting, and I don't mean insulting. I mean, but you know, you're not going to become spiritually mature simply by showing up to Clyde two or three times a month and coming to small groups two or three times a month. It's not going to happen. If you want to be spiritually mature, you have to yourself seek after God like he's a million-dollar treasure hidden in the Rockies, and you've leveraged everything you have to know about him. But we're not used to that. Yeah, anybody know what the Babylon Bee is? It's a, it's a fake news site. That people like my age, I know y'all are on Facebook a whole lot. People my age, like they post these satirical uh, news articles. Where there was one that came across my feed the other day, and I don't know if we have it. Cass, is it going to pull up? Yeah, we do. So it's a fake news article, but here's the headline was. After 12 years of quarterly church attendance, parents shocked by daughter's lack of faith. It's a joke article, but several people were sharing it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the world I'm living in. And, and you go through, if you click on it, which we're not going to, it's written like a real news article, like they've, they've interviewed a family, and the parents are saying, well, we just don't know why our daughter is not spiritually mature. They said, we... We come to church every time the soccer game gets rained out. We're there. And, and, and they said, we, we go, we're at Easter. Every Easter, except for 2011, we had that tournament. But all the other Easters, we've been there. And it's this, this, this satire of the way we think that if I give God my leftovers, somehow or another, I'm going to accidentally become spiritually mature. It's not what Scripture says. It's not what the research shows. If you want to be a person who is a, a, a game-changing leader one day, if you want to be a dad or a mom that's influencing the next generation, if you want to know God and know him well and step into the purpose for which you were created, if you want to prepare now for heaven later, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. Chase after knowing God, what his kingdom looks like, and you living your life like he's called you to live it. So 
How do we do that? I mean, seeking God isn't as easy as like, okay, let me get a map and I'll go find him. We've already said you can find churches and things like that that are teaching the scripture all over. Let, let me give you just some, some real easy steps. And if, if God is saying something to you tonight, if the Holy Spirit's like speaking to you about, hey, this is what you need to do, you need to go do that. I'm just giving you some application ideas so that you can pray through and go, hey, maybe this is, this is what I need. First thing is this. You start seeking God first thing in the morning and then look, through, look for him throughout the day. Some of you have a devotional life, you have a quiet time, and you do it after school, you do it before you go to bed. That, that's not bad. I, I want to suggest that you start thinking about the morning, that you wake up, and the first thing that you do when you wake up is you go, God, where are we going today? God, how am I going to see you today? God, what do you want me to do today? God, before I head off to school, before I grab my phone to see what happened on Snapchat last night while I was asleep, God, I want to know what you have to say for me, say to me. And we start seeking, you know, God, because I got a whole day in front of me, and I don't want to walk through it not knowing you, not seeing you, not being close to where, you, where you're moving. Like some people, how many, any of y'all coffee drinkers? A few of you. I mean, are any of you already to the point where, like, you can't function in the morning until you have coffee? Like, I know some of our parents are, like, like you just, I mean, we make coffee makers now that, like, you can set the, I mean, they've been made for a while. You can, like, set a timer on so that when you wake up, that coffee's hot and ready. Because we, we have people that are like, I just can't function without it. I'm not a coffee drinker, but for me, it, it's a shower. Like, I feel like I drag until I get in the shower. And it's so bad, like, I know when we go on mission trips, and now some of you, will, if you go with us, you'll, like, now recognize this, and you'll judge me like other people judge me. Like, like we'll come back, and we'll, like, worked all day, and, like, it's time to go to bed, and, and we're, we're limited on showers, because, like, in California, we had two showers. That was it that we were all using. And so I'm like, I have to have a shower in the morning. So I'll like go lay on my air mattress, like in the clothes I worked in, nasty, paint on me, whatever. And people are like, oh, how do you sleep like that? You're disgusting. And I'm like, I, I know. You're not breaking any news to me. But I also know that in the morning, I got to have that shower. And that's, otherwise, that's what's going to wake me up. And, and I'm gonna, I got to start the day that way. Now, here's the deal. You weren't born needing coffee or needing a shower. You've trained yourself that way. I mean, you've done it so long that it's now you wake up, and if you didn't have a shower, you didn't have coffee, you can make it, but you're just so used to it. You've trained yourself that this is how I start my day, that if you don't start your day that way, it feels different. What if? What if we trained ourselves because we created a habit that said, I don't do anything until I get into the Word? I'm gonna, if sometime you go on vacation, you leave your Bible and your phone doesn't have internet access and all of a sudden you're like, you wake up in the morning, you go, I just don't feel right. My day doesn't feel normal without getting into the Word and just to go, hey God, what do you have in store for me? You know it'd be really cool? What if you ended your day like that too? I know students who like, they, like they, they've said like they're sad about it. They're like, well, I try to pray when I go to sleep, uh, like, like when I go to bed, but what happens, I, I like lay down and I start to talk to God and I'm like, God, Thank you for today, and then I'm asleep. And they're telling me, they're like, I feel so guilty about it. Man, how cool would it be to, as you go to sleep, be talking to the Lord, and then the first thing that you do when you wake up to continue that conversation? I mean, that would be a good thing, not something we're ashamed of. You know, maybe you need to get a little more rest so you can have more than two sentences with the Lord before you fall asleep. But if you do, 
No big deal. Get the next morning and go, God, what do you have today? Seek him. And then throughout the day, you start looking, God, where are you moving? God, what are you doing? God, I want to know you and I want to be on board with what you're doing. So God, show me where you're at and what you're doing. You can, do, you can set an alarm 10 minutes early to get up and make sure that you're starting your day in the Word. We put devotional stuff on the back table. There's scorecards back there for you to, to work through this process of these eight weeks of this series. It's devotional to help you make the Bible make sense. Talk about it all the time. It's a regular application, and we're going to do it till all of us are reading the Word. Here's, here's the second thing you do. Hit that next slide for us. This is going to sound self-serving, but attend events where you see God moving. It sounds self-serving because my job, one of the things I do is create events for you where you see God moving. But it's interesting that, that we tend to see God moving when we've gathered together. We see God moving when we go to camp. We see God moving when we're on a mission trip. We see God moving when at Clyde Impact Weekend, we're out in our, in our community, and we're serving people all day long, and people are looking at you like you're crazy, like you spent all Saturday long like mowing other people's lawns and in a, in a, in a nursing home. You did all of that for your Saturday, and for some reason... You, you, you close out that weekend and God has moved and, and you, you, you know him better. You, you've sought him because you've thrown yourself into the flow of where the Holy Spirit's moving. When we were in California this uh, spring break, there's a guy that's gonna probably be meaningless to you guys. A few adults are in the back of the room. They, they'll, they'll, they'll know who MC Hammer is. You know who MC Hammer is? So, oh man, I love y'all. Can't touch this. You've got to pray just to make it today. MC Hammer was like, the man when I was your age. In fact, he was not just the man, he was too legit to quit. Which of you know MC Hammer is a song. Uh, MC Hammer lives in Tracy, California, where we were doing our mission trip. And so I, I was joking with our, the pastor we were working with. I said, man, are you gonna be able to hook me up so that I can meet MC Hammer? And he laughed and he said, well, you know, there's a restaurant in town that he, he goes to four or five times a week. He's like, there all the time. So I can tell you where that restaurant is. You can go like sit and meet him. And I would have if we weren't too busy, because uh, that would have been cool. But if, you, if you're like an MC Hammer fan, you go, man, my life goal is to meet MC Hammer. I've got hammer pants. I've perfected the hammer dance. I know all the words to, to both of his albums or however many he had. That is my goal. You would be like, hey, tell me where that restaurant is. And you'd be at that restaurant every day waiting for him to come in. And you'd see where he sat usually. And you'd go sit at a table near where he sits, and when he came and sat, you'd go, I, I, are you MC Hammer? You know, and you'd be like, ah, funny that you're here. I mean, you, you would put yourself in the flow of where he shows up. So here, here's the takeaway, the application. If you want to know God better, <clears throat> you're gonna seek after him. You need to throw yourself in the middle of where he's moving. And he's moving through his bride, which is the local church, he moves at camp. Does he move in other places? Absolutely. But for some reason, maybe it's because of the people of God are gathered. Maybe it's because people that God is gifted to, to reveal him and to preach the word and things like that or at camp and things like that. For some reason, it seems like that God is easier to see and to seek after when we're together at some of these events. So I'm not telling you that because I want big numbers at an event. I'm telling you that if you want to be spiritually mature, you need to seek after him every day, look for him throughout the course of the day, and then put yourself in the flow of where he's moving. There's a guy that a few years back did a, he's an artist, and, and he had an idea for uh, an art exhibit that he was doing. 
And so he, he challenged other people to do this, but he said, hey, what, think about this, and, and I want you guys to do this activity. Just, we're not going to do like silence, and you'll think it pretty quick. He asked people, if your house caught on fire, <laughs> ooh, provocative. If your house caught on fire, this is just rhetorical, don't answer, just think, what would you grab first? Think about it for a second. You don't have to answer. If your house caught on fire, you went home tonight, and as you walked in, you saw some flame start, and you were able to run in, what would you grab? And so what he did for this uh, art exhibit is he took his things, the things that he'd grabbed, and he photographed them, and so it was a photo art exhibit. And other people, he posted online, other people started doing the same thing. And so people took a picture of their iPhone. People took a picture of their, of their kids. That, that would be a good thing to grab, Right? <laughs> iPhone kids, uh, I don't know. People had all of these different things that they, they posted. And then he, as, as he processed, he kept taking more pictures. And as he posted more pictures over time, the stuff in his pictures got less and less and less. As he thought about it more, he kept refining. Like, if I could only grab, I've got eight things. What if I could only grab six? What would I grab? And put it, so it was this art exhibit. It's a great, a great mental tool to help you figure out what the firsts are in your life. What are the things that are really important? Now, obviously, the answer to that question is, I'm not trying to overly spiritualize. It's not like, if your house caught on fire, what would you do? You know, and if you said, well, I love the Lord, so I'd run into my house and grab the Lord. That's just stupid, right? I mean, we'd smack you for being dumb. But the idea is, is what's important to me and I'm not saying you grab your Bible first. Maybe you would. But you'd start thinking about things. If, if the Lord, You'd start thinking from a spiritual context of what the firsts are. And you, you would start refining in your life what really matters. Matthew 6, Jesus helps us understand that there is nothing more important for us than to seek his kingdom first and to seek his righteousness to bring the kingdom of God here, to change our world, and to live our lives like him. Now, if you walked in tonight and you go, listen, I'm not interested in being spiritually mature, then, then okay. Seeking God's not gonna be at the forefront. But if you came in tonight going, you know what? I want to be spiritually mature. I want to be who God created me to be. Then the question you wrestle with tonight as you leave what do I do to seek after God to know him better tomorrow than I do today? Make sense? Let's pray.